It's time for JT the Brick. Receiver from the University of Colorado, number 21, Cliff Branch. We kick off the summer of Cliff Branch. Tucker drops back to pass. Steps up. He looks. Over the middle. He's got it. Touchdown Raiders. It's by Cliff Branch. The summer of Cliff. Cliff Branch, all summer long. JT the Brick. Prepare your phone call. I want Cliff content from you. Stabler plays big, back to pass, gets a big rush out. He'll cut the man. Stabler's throwing deep for Branch. He's got it at the 20, the 10. Touchdown, Raiders! What separated Cliff was he was amazing, meticulous route runner. As we count down to Cliff, the summer of Cliff on the flagship. And now, here's JT the Brick. Welcome in, JT. Out of the gate as we begin today, Friday on Raider Nation Radio. The flagship of the Raiders, 920 AM. Still coming off the excitement yesterday of being at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. As that's very easy to say now, I was there for the first day of training camp with Josh McDaniels, the vets, the rookies, the media, and everybody who saw the coverage. Maybe you saw a lot of it last night on the local news as the news people in town were there. We saw a lot of people out there yesterday. And excited. So I was happy to be out there yesterday. Today, Q's going to jump in at the top of the hour. we got a lot to get to here as we get rolling again. And the excitement, the national media coverage. National media coverage this morning on NFL Network. Good morning, football. Hey, man, it's, it's something good about going first. Going first and have the opportunity to be the first team in training camp with rookies and veterans. Give the Raiders a little bit of a head start with the media. Not that they need a head start. You know where I stand on Raider coverage in the media. But a good day yesterday, and we'll try to back it up here today and keep going. Damon Bruce will join me from 95.7 The Game on Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, the update on what's happening with him up north. We're going to be doing a segment every week around the league coming back this year. So normally it'll be about the Raider opponent. When the Raiders are playing Arizona, I'll have on Howard Balzer, who covers Arizona as always. Tennessee will have the insiders but what we're going to do is we're going to go around the league, too, and break down some of the biggest storylines. Yesterday, it was Kyler Murray, correct? Kyler Murray signed that $230 million extension, 160 guarantee. So that was a nice surprise as we came into the studio yesterday and touched on it. Now, the other contracts that are still left and what's going to happen from Lamar Jackson, especially to Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Maury Brown, Bisball Maury will join us coming off the All-Star break in baseball. I'll have a baseball hit. And also, I'll talk to him about what's happening in Oakland. As there's some people in Vegas that want the A's, I'm not one of them. But there are people listening up north who want to know what's going to happen with the status of that. He'll join us a little bit later on in the show. want to thank PTs as they fuel the monologue. And they get us going every day. They own the Stratosphere, Arizona Charlies, uh, Sean Patrick's, the SG Bar, Sierra Gold, which I love, PT's Gold, and they do a great job, and they've been with me as long as anybody. Thanks to PT's for getting us going. Head on out to happy hour. Get cool, as it's even a little bit more sticky than I can remember. Usually no humidity, but kind of a little bit hotter and stickier than normal uh, this time this year, and I'm heading up to Duck Creek for a quick in-and-out weekend and be back one more trip out of the heat as we get ready for our countdown to Canton and Cliff Branch. Monday, Fred Bolitnikoff. Tuesday, Jim Plunkett. And I'm working on a couple of more big names next week. And then we're, we're on the road. We're on the road to Canton, Ohio, as the turnout for Cliff's going to be amazing. And that's going to really kick off our month of August, the Raiders playing the Jaguars in that great Hall of Fame game. Right, let me take that back. I don't know if it's going to be a great Hall of Fame game, but it's great that the Raiders will be represented on national television. That's going to be a really big deal. So there's even going to be more Raider coverage as a new class gets inducted, including Richard Seymour. And a couple of callers called in yesterday, and I want to thank them, talking about Richard Seymour and the impact that he had on the Raiders. That's something we're going to create on as we're also giving him a lot of credit for getting into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So a lot of news coming up with the NFL as other teams are reporting and there'll be more news on potential players who are holding out, uh, players who are waiting on contract extensions. As we mentioned, Lamar Jackson, the Jimmy Garoppolo scenario, and any other player that could be available for the Raiders, as Dave Ziegler, who I talked to yesterday, it was great to see Dave and get to know him, as he's not done. I think the Raiders are going to take a look, and when they find someone, when they find someone they think can help the team, it doesn't matter what the day of the week is, what week it is, they're going to go out and make that move. 
Mike Haynes joined us. A little encore presentation, a lot of downloads at Raiders.com. They call him the Gentleman Raider. He'll be in Canton representing Cliff Branch. He'll have on that gold coat. Mike looks great, man. He's the ultimate gentleman, and he joins us on Raider Nation Radio. Mike, thanks for joining us. How's the summer going? How are you? So far, great. Good. Your son? You got uh, young football players? You got a great family? What's it been like? You've been golfing? You've been traveling? How busy you been? Well, I've been busy, but, you know, COVID has made everything a little bit different and yeah. um, a little bit more difficult. But, um, you know, still my son um, gonna, just got into college. He's going to school and he's uh, trying to make the football team there. Um, um, and my other son graduated from college. You know, he's now, you know, everything's going on great in the, with the family. Um, Excellent. You know, it sounds like the Raiders are, are, uh, are going to be having a great season this year as well. Absolutely, Mike, and we'll get into that, and we'll talk to you throughout the year, but we wanted to spend most of the time with you today to talk about Cliff, because we came up with the summer of Cliff as Cliff is getting inducted, and I know you got a lot of stories, and I want to know what it was like when you first got to the Raiders from New England after one of the most legendary trades ever pulled off by Al Davis in NFL history, and your earliest recollections getting to know Cliff and competing against him in practice. Well, um, I think the first time I actually met Cliff was probably at a Pro Bowl, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, when I joined the team, you know, it was, a, you know, a concern for me because, uh, you know, they had Cliff, they had another receiver named Malcolm Barnwell, another one named Calvin Muhammad. And the one thing that all these guys could do that they all had in common was speed. And none of them were as fast as Cliff, but, you know, that's what they had in common. And and because I had played Cliff when, as, a, as a rookie my first time on the Patriots, and I got a chance to see him on film and see his speed firsthand, when I joined the team, I'm thinking, man, this is going to be tough in practice, <laughs> covering him every day. Uh, and then the very first practice, when he came out of the huddle, he told me what he was going to do. So, so um, it wasn't the offense trying to beat the defense. Matter of fact, generally – the offense would go against the backup guys and, um, you know, instead of the first string guys. Uh, but because I was new and I was still getting in shape and I still wasn't activated to play, I was practicing with the, with those guys and they were all great guys. But when Cliff came out of the huddle, he would actually tell me what he's going to do. He'd, he'd, so I'm thinking, okay, I got to be ready to run. And he'd come out of the huddle and he'd say, I got a slant. And I, and I don't say anything. I just wait to see if he runs a slant, and he runs a slant. <laughs> and then he comes out of the hole again, he says, I got an out. And so I know his out is like at 18 yards, so I'm, I'm, I'm expecting him to do something. He runs the out. I'm going, oh, hey, this is pretty good. He's, you know, and, I, and I said, Cliff, why are you telling me? He says, man, this is practice. This is practice. And I go, okay. And so I realized he probably wasn't running full speed when he was running those routes and he didn't want me to make him run full speed because I'm breaking them up. And so that made his practice easier, but believe it or not, it made practice better for me because I was going against him. He had a lot of quick moves that he used to like to make and I had to adjust. And so this allowed me, now I know what he's going to do. This allowed me to, to practice better and have better practices and work on my footwork and all that kind of stuff. Now, I could never break up one of those routes because it wasn't, wasn't fair. You know, if he tells me he's going to run in and he runs an in and then I go in there and intercept it, come on, that's not yeah. right. You know, so, so we, um, we turned, turned out to be great for me to have him on my team. And um, it helped my technique and my ability and, and it helped raise my confidence because I, uh, all I had to really worry about was running with Cliff. And uh, of course, I know there's no way I can run through Cliff. <laughs> you know, he was he was lightning fast. He really was. And a lot of times you'd see film where he's running right next to the DB. Well, as soon as that ball is in the air, you see him pull away. And that's that's his. Uh, that would, for me, that was his. That was the thing that really made him special. And there was very few guys in the league uh, on any team that could run like Cliff. Hall of Famer Mike Haynes is our guest. You know, Mike, before you came on, I was mentioning when Bill Belichick broke you down on the best 100 players of all time, he raved about how you found the football. And Collinsworth was talking about an Ed Reed, like the ball's in the air and you're, you have your back to the ball and then boom, 
you're turning on it, you're making these one-handed grabs, and you're, you're finding the ball quickly. And I'm assuming you and Lester going up against Cliff and those great receivers, that had to help you because back in the day when you played, you practiced more than the players today. And nothing against the players today. It's a new era. They're in shells or they're doing walkthroughs. But did that help you find the ball, all those plays from your early in your career to late in the career, all those great practices where you had to go full speed and find the football? Well, it, it, it really started with me in college because, you know, I was a wide receiver. And so um, as a wide receiver, I, I had learned to expect the ball at a certain place and a certain alignment coming out of the air or, you know, angle and things like that. So that kind of helped me. And when I studied film, I would watch to see exactly where the quarterback was trying to throw it and where the receiver was trying to, you know, get open. I was also trying to imagine what it looked like for the quarterback when he drops back and he looks over and he sees the linebacker, you know, in, either inside or outside, and he's going to have to throw the ball based on where he sees that linebacker, uh, not based on me unless the linebacker is rushing and there's only me over there. And so, um, so I, got, I got used to doing that. Uh, and also I used to really like working with the safety because if I looked early, um, the, quarter, the receiver could pull away from me. I wouldn't even know. Um, but mm-hmm. if I looked at the last minute, then I could you know, look and expect the ball to be coming at a certain place. Uh, and, I, and I would work really closely with the free safety. And I would say, hey, man, you know, don't say ball when the quarterback hasn't even thrown the ball yet. Wait till the ball's in the air. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I'd work with the safety that try to help me to time when I did look. Because if I looked early, that's bad. If I looked late, that's bad. So I need to work with him on getting me that ball call to help me make the good decision on when to turn around and look for it. Mike Haynes is our guest. So, Mike, as we wrap this up, going back to the Hall of Fame, uh, your memories, you go back a lot, and you're available there, and you love it. What, what, is, what changed your life as a Hall of Famer? Because you do signings all over the country, but Canton's different. And from dinner to meeting up with a, a legend in a hallway or in a lobby of a hotel, when you get ready, and this time you got Cliff, your former teammate, and, and that's going to be a big event. What keeps bringing you back to Canton, Ohio, when you try to go back and get the most out of that experience for you and your family? Well, it, I, I can't say that I've always been looking forward to going back. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it started for me really when I got the job working at the NFL. And, uh, and I got a chance to talk to the commissioner and talk to owners and, and different things. And, uh, and knowing how the players felt about the Hall of Fame and everything. And so um, I remember when uh, Commissioner Taglibu had a meeting and, and we were talking about the Hall of Fame. Uh, and I said, I raised my hand. I said, I said, I don't know how to say this. And I don't want anybody to take this the wrong way. I said, but, you know, being inducted in the Pro Football Hall of Fame should be the greatest accomplishment a guy can have. And, and, and I know it is. I said, I don't know. I don't want this to be taken the wrong way. But beyond that, it doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot. Nothing happens because of that. Mm-hmm. Nothing changed because of that. Now the only thing that happens is you said Mike Haynes Hall of Famer. That's it. You know, there was no extra opportunities. There were no extra income coming. There was nothing special happening. And I have to say, JT, that that is no longer the way it is. Mm-hmm. Thank God. It changed completely where, you know, the Hall of Fame started doing different things around the country and working with different sponsors to get uh, programs implemented and uh and and the guys were starting to get used as um uh ambassadors right and and for the for for the sport for the team that they're playing on or played for uh you know and things like that so it is a it it is turned into exactly the thing that i wish it had been all along because there's a lot of guys who were inducted into the hall of fame and back in the old days you had to pay your own way back yeah, uh, and uh, and the guys did not have uh, the kind of income that they have today, and so they were not able to afford to go back. But today, the Hall of Fame insures it; they pay for it. Um, and they you can bring your wife, and it's a, it's a great mm-hmm. event. And uh, the fans who really love football and their team is getting a guy inducted. They show they're showing up, and there's a lot of the former players who are on that team also. 
they're showing up. Everybody's there, and it's, it turns out to be one of the greatest, um, you know, um, party times um, that you know a, a fan could ever want because all of the great players that they watched will be there for that induction as well. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for cl- uh, sharing some Cliff stories. It means a lot. That's what we're trying to do here, make it extra special for Cliff because you know he's looking down, he's listening, and it's going to be one hell of a party, and you're going to be a big part of it. And I'll see you not only in Canton, but we'll see you for Alumni Weekend at the end of August here too. All right. Sounds good, JT. Thanks to the gentleman writer, Mike Haynes. And very interesting what he said in that interview, in that encore interview, about how he wasn't thrilled initially going back to Canton. There wasn't a lot going on for the alumni financially now they can make a buck or two hey these guys need money mike haynes made good money and he has a lot of side businesses but it's kind of nice when you can go back to canton ohio and make it a business trip if you're going to put on that gold jacket especially at the home of the hall of fame you should be making money appearances autograph signings and mike haynes does a lot from raising awareness to prostate cancer to just talking about it being a part of the league as he mentioned In years past, think of the league representatives from the Raiders. And we saw the head of the union. It was great. Gene Upshaw. Art Shell worked in the league offices there. And it won't be the last. I don't know what Charles Woodson wants to do long-term or some of these other gentlemen. But there's a big, big, big spot in the heart of Canton, Ohio. In the Pro Football Hall of Fame for the Silver and Black. And at the league office as the league office actually has their hands full (laughs) this offseason. I think you know what I'm talking about there. All right, so today we're concentrating on just a couple of news items here, kind of a little bit of a best of and a live show as we continue on. Q's going to come up here at the top of the hour. Also going to use this Friday to thank all of our partners. I told you yesterday that a week from today, I'm kicking off my podcast series over at Virgin Hotels, Las Vegas, the old Hard Rock, We're going to be set up in the lobby from 4 to 6 p.m. And all I'm going to try to do is knock out interviews with some newsmakers in town who are associated with Virgin Hotels Las Vegas. It could be a chef. It could be someone who runs the pool. It could be a DJ. It could be an athlete. It could just be someone coming into town who we're able to secure. That's going to kick off next Friday. So I'd really like it if you could come out and see me. Maybe have a cocktail in the shag room. See some live music. We'll be at Virgin Hotels a week from today. 4 to 6 p.m. right in the iconic main lobby when you walk in off the valet. We'll be doing a lot with Virgin Hotels Las Vegas, and we welcome them as a proud partner here. Man, it's taken a while and a good while to work with them at the level I want to work with them at, and now it's come together beautifully. So we're excited as we kick that off a week from Friday. Coming up next, Damon Bruce, sports talk host. You know him, 95-7 the game. In San Francisco, he gives me some cover up in the Bay Area when I come on his show, and I always welcome him on my show. He's been talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo is a massive story today. We want to stay with that and see what's going to happen with the other team up north because we're still up north. Raider Nation, you are still up north in Oakland, in the entire Bay Area. Even though they don't give you much coverage up there, we know you're listening. We see the streaming numbers. And we thank you, our Bay Area audience that listens to us on the flagship right here in Vegas. And the flagship up there in the Bay Area at times were good to us, but now we got our own, one that we work side by side with, and we're thrilled with the partnership with the Raiders. JT, as we continue on, thanks to Virgin Hotels Las Vegas. Come see me next Friday, 4 to 6 p.m. Let's have a beverage together as we continue on this Friday as we're wrapping up July here sooner than later on the flagship of the Silver and Black, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. Looking, looking, going to branch, wide open. Touchdown, Raiders! Branch committed highway robbery without a gun! JT, welcome back. Friday here, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. Brought to us by Modelo, the fighting spirit. Fridays, I have a bucket of Modelo. I'm going to have a few buckets of Modelos with my boys this weekend, my friends this weekend, up at Duck Creek. A little bit of the Utah mountains, some ATV in, some cooler weather as we count down to the summer of Cliff, Cliff Branch. As we get ready for Canton, Ohio, and our tribute to Cliff, Mark Davis will be inducting him 
into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I think every Raider fan with the fighting spirit is going to raise their Modelo over their head when Cliff Branch gets inducted. Can't wait for that. It's really been our focus of this summer. But also, we're talking about breaking news in the NFL and sports. I don't care if it's Kevin Durant, Kyler Murray yesterday, and still the Jimmy Garoppolo story is really fascinating to me. The Raiders play the Niners on New Year's Day after New Year's Eve. And I said this when the schedule came out. The Raiders have to make sure that game counts. I don't like the fact that that's the last game of the year. That's going to be a make-or-break game for the Raiders and the Niners. Niners play in the same division as the world champion Rams. That's not going to be easy. And the Raiders have a real tough schedule. And if they want to go to the playoffs, that game could still be in play as a make-or-break game. Maybe the Raiders are already in the playoffs by then, but I have a feeling that game's going to mean a lot. And will Jimmy Garoppolo be with the team? Will he be long gone by then? We bring in my friend Damon Bruce, sports talk host up in the Bay Area on 95.7 The Game. Got a big talk show host, and he covers all the sports from the Warriors championship to the Niners. D. Bruce, thanks for doing this on a Friday. Let me jump in and start off. This is a really complicated story. Uh, from Adam Schefter reporting the other day that the Niners now have given permission to Garoppolo's agent to seek a trade. How's it sounding on your show? What's going on? Because this is a really complicated story and a lot of different opinions out there. Well, it, it's a situation, JT, where, you know, it's, everything is business as usual until things get unusual. And I really think that Jimmy, without shoulder surgery, would probably have been included in some draft day or pre-draft trade that might have made more sense and have been easier to see because teams are still looking at quarterbacks around draft time. Now, it does feel like the game of musical chairs has pretty much stopped. So whatever the 49ers were looking for, whatever John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan were out on the market looking for, they obviously didn't find it. But we knew that there wasn't going to be any movement on Garoppolo until he could demonstrate that he could throw. And he's been doing that for a couple of weeks now. And, I, I, you know, I think the 49ers want to do Garoppolo right. And since they couldn't find the right deal, they basically tell Don Yee, Jimmy's agent, you go find something that's right. I don't know if that's passing the buck or the responsibility. I don't know what that means for return. And I don't know how consequential the return is going to be. But I really didn't think that Garoppolo, as soon as he you know, went under the knife, was going to be dealt any time before right around now. So even though this whole thing feels weird and we've been getting an update on a trade to nowhere almost daily for months now, I really think we're going to get action within the next week or 10 days on this. Damon Bruce joins us. That's a great point you made when you said they, they want to do him right. And I get that sense knowing not really well, but a little bit John Lynch, and he's a Hall of Famer, and he wants to do the right thing. And Kyle Shanahan, but, you know, we've all seen Jimmy Garoppolo beat Aaron Rodgers multiple times. In Santa Clara and Green Bay, we see how they match up with the Rams, and he plays well. So every 49er fan, Dame, is it, is it, afraid, is it fair to say they don't want to get cute here? You got Kittle. You got Debo. You got a team that's got Bosa coming off the edge, a great, iconic offensive lineman and Trent Williams. This is too good to screw it up. And if Lance coming from North Dakota can't figure this out and he's not hitting the ground running playing every game this year, could they outthink themselves and give away a great season where they could be a Super Bowl contender? If they outthink themselves, the outthinking began before they drafted Trey Lance. You know, that's when they basically committed the picks to the movement that another quarterback was coming in. And there were data points to suggest it was the right thing to do. You talk about Jimmy beating Aaron Rodgers, they're not doing that without the 49ers defense. Um, and, and honestly, Garoppolo nearly gave away that game in Dallas. He gives a, an awful lot of hold-your-breath footballs all over the field. He does. Now, he's a consummate pro. He's liked in that locker room. Having the two in the same room, I think, would be unfair to Lance. And Lance was drafted to be something special. Now, there's a lot of guys. Everyone gets drafted to be something special. Not everyone turns into something special. They put a lot of eggs into this basket. But it's officially time to throw the basket into the river to see if it's, it floats or if it sinks. <laughs> you know, it's time. It, it's totally time. Not many guys get the luxury 
of a year holding a clipboard with very little responsibility. It was a great learning opportunity. And what the 49ers are hoping for is, you know, sort of a, a Patrick Mahomes got to watch a really proven veteran sideline and he gets thrown in and all of a sudden athleticism and arm talent now dictates the 49ers offense as much as Kyle Shanahan finding the perfect matchup to exploit. They have a coach who knows how to call the plays. They now hopefully will have a quarterback who can run the plays called and make a play when the play breaks down. So, you know, it's, it's a huge wait and see. Everyone is optimistic. I think everybody appreciates Garoppolo. The further we get away from him, he was ripped in the, you know, no one's any better than their last game. You know, and when you, when you lose an NFC title game, ah, it's time to move on. And, you know, you hear nonsense like, well, Trey's arm's getting tired. No, it's not. Trey, Trey Lance is, is a kid. He, is, he doesn't have a mm-hmm. tired arm any more than, you know, you got tired at a concert when you were his age. He's not tired. He has <laughs> not got any arm fatigue. He doesn't have a throwing motion that is going to jeopardize any integrity in his arm. That was nonsense. It's time. It's time. He got the luxury of a mulligan year. And in that mulligan year, the 49ers got rewarded with a trip to the NFC title game. You know, it's not a failing season in any way. Only four no. teams get to a championship game. Um, but it, it, it did feel like the Jimmy Garoppolo train had run as far as it possibly could in a 49ers uniform. And the day that they drafted, you know, Trey Lance, the, the cosmic tumbler, started tumbling. Damon Bruce joins us. As you were talking there, I went to YouTube and I saw the missed Emmanuel Sanders deep throw in the Super Bowl that he just missed him deep. It would have won the Super Bowl if he caught it. Even if he didn't get into the end zone, he would have came down at the two or three yard line. We're talking about two or three yards in a difference in a tight throw in a pressure packed Super Bowl. That really would have changed everything. The Niners would have won a Super Bowl. Jimmy Garoppolo would have came back. He would have had a chip and a ring. There would have been no Trey Lance. And everything changes on one throw. And then you look at this team beating Aaron Rodgers last year and rubbing his face in the snow and doing it at Lambeau. So the Niner fans have seen this team really, really close. What's the feedback on your show about getting back now in a division that has the world champion Rams? Well, it just shows you that when you hear the cliche, game of inches, game of inches, no one's kidding. I mean, it's a game of inches. And inches can be the fork in the road between, you know, forever 49er quarterback or we're moving on the first chance we get. So it it is amazing how just a moment, just a little touch, a half a step can change so many fortunes all at the same time. Look at how differently Kyle Shanahan is regarded right now. If he's already won a Super Bowl, it'd be amazing. But, um, you know, I, I think that 49er fans, look at this team and they understand that the best part of the Niners is still intact. And they hopefully now have a more dynamic, if not an as efficient quarterback. But this team is defined by its defensive line. And I was talking on the show about what, you know, certain steps the Niners needed to take if they are to be a playoff team again. And JT, I think one of them is you need to be talking about this defensive front and everybody in football needs to be talking about this defensive front like four or five weeks into the Super Bowl, like you're, you're, or four or five weeks into the season, pardon me, where you're literally looking at them and looking at the, you know, what do you think of the first month of football? What stands out to you? One of the first answers needs to be Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, and that 49ers defensive line. They have to scare other football teams at the line of scrimmage if they're going to be a playoff team once again. You talked about how Trent Williams – you know, not many offensive linemen get the word iconic attached to them. He gets the first mm-hmm. 99. What is an O-lineman in Madden? Means a lot. Everyone to the right of Trent Williams, the jury is out on now. So that line has to get the job done. Mike McGlinchey has been a B-plus right tackle. He needs to be better than that. And they got to show that Aaron Banks is ready to step in for Lake and Tomlinson. And Lake and Tomlinson is big shoes to fill. Um, they got the skill position players 
Hopefully that secondary has been shored up enough, but this is, this is a team that needs to win the line of scrimmage, no matter who the quarterback is, no matter who the head coach is. And you could say, well, that applies to everyone. But when you look at just the draft capital and the investment mm-hmm. this team has made across its defensive line, Trent Williams, McGlinchey, they've spent an awful lot of money up front investing an awful lot of collateral up front. And, um, and, and it's, that's where they need to be dominant again. If you're not talking about how good the 49ers defensive line is a month or two into this season, they're in trouble. Damon, last one. I know Rob Manford lightly touched on the Coliseum in Oakland. We all know it's outdated. It's, it's even worse than outdated. But he didn't take a big shot at John Fisher. So coming off the All-Star game, Rob Manford kind of had a mini State of the Union the way all commissioners do at an All-Star game or at a championship round. How'd how'd that go over in the Bay Area as we're still hearing? And I'm in Vegas, as you know, the Howard Terminal, using Vegas as a pawn and how the clock is ticking and it's getting louder and louder. And the commissioner's talking about this on a global scale. Okay. Didn't even resonate. We We don't care anymore, JT. Tired of talking about the labor pain? Show me the baby. Build a stadium. Re- redo the Coliseum. Move to Vegas. Move to Kathmandu, as far as anyone is concerned <laughs> at this point. The Oakland A's are devoid of interest in the Bay Area. There are high school teams who draw bigger crowds than the Oakland A's in the Bay Area. Uh, and there is just they, the A's used to matter an awful lot. You know that. The A's used to mean something out here. John Fisher has so neglected his flock that all the sheep is scattered and no one's even looking for him anymore. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Rob Manfred, we know that you don't even like baseball. What you call the commissioner's trophy, a hunk of metal when the Astros were stealing it. You know, I mean, nobody cares what he says. Nobody has any credibility left in John Fisher, and nobody has any real belief that Vegas wants him, that Oakland can get it done. So here we are, 25 freaking years into the topic of, you know, the A's need a new stadium. Nothing's happened. Absolutely nothing's happened. Uh, It is just one big boy crying wolf on everyone's side right now and remember rob manfred's not about to criticize any owner in baseball because he's a bootlick and they pay his salary damon enjoy the great rest of the summer with your young family all the best thanks for doing this i'll talk to you real soon hope to see you real soon anytime brother thanks to d bruce again on a friday we appreciate it and damon will let us know when it happens up there i think kyle shanahan's being too cute John Lynch is a Hall of Famer now. He got in last year, remember, with Coach Flores. They don't want this hanging over their head much longer. If I'm the Niners, I keep Garoppolo. I think Garoppolo can mentor Trey Lance, but they don't want to pay him $24 million bucks to sit and hold the clipboard. And I get that, and they want something in return. If they do move him, I think it's a second-round pick. If they don't move him and have to waive him and let him go and let another team pick him up, I don't know what's going to happen there, but the Niners have to get something out of it. Garoppolo is too good of a player. I think too much of a winner. Garoppolo, we mentioned this yesterday to Vinny Bonsignor when he was in studio. Some guys get drafted by garbage teams. If you get drafted in the NFL by, say, Jacksonville, and then you go to Detroit, or vice versa, your career might never get off the ground. Jimmy Garoppolo went from the Patriots to the 49ers. Garoppolo played for really good organizations, good rosters, and good teams, and that's why he has one of the best winning percentages out there. Big story again today. They're talking about it this morning on Good Morning Football. All the debate shows still wondering. Last summer, it was Aaron Rodgers. This summer, it's Jimmy Garoppolo. JT, we continue on the flagship of the Silver and Black, SalmonAshInjuryLaw.com, because you deserve what's right over the weekend, anytime, but especially if you're traveling from Nevada to California, California to Nevada, if you get into an accident, a collision, whatever it is, get safe, get to the side of the road, and call Sam and Ash or go to the website, SamAndAshInjuryLaw.com, because you deserve what's right. A baseball conversation with Maury Brown from Forbes. He's also got some news he's telling me on what could happen with the Oakland A's in Las Vegas and some NASCAR news that he broke as we continue. Have a great weekend, everybody. Q at the top of the hour. We always appreciate Q, our program director, our great radio host, as we continue Friday. JT on the flagship of the Silver and Black.
Now the 3-1. Ground ball tap weakly left side coming on Bregman. He feels a second for one. On the first by Pena. And that's two. And that is the ball game. The Houston Astros break out the brooms against the Yankees sweeping this doubleheader. JT, as we continue here on a humid, hot Friday. Raider Nation Radio. Raiders are in camp. And we're talking about it here on the flagship of the Silver and Black. Brought to you by... Remy Martin, team up for excellence. You saw the Yankee highlight or the Yankee loss, the low light there. Yankees come out of the all-star break. I'm cranky Yankee. They lose two to the Astros. My tweet last night, I think it's accurate. It says, here's what we know. Yankees have a better record than the Astros. Astros are the better team. And then the Yankees better bleeping figure it out. I'm telling you right now, this could be one of the greatest Yankee seasons of all time and the Astros are waiting on them. The Astros are waiting right there for them. I don't think the Dodgers have that problem in the National League. I really don't. You know, years ago, it could be the Giants, the Cubs. Maybe it's the Mets this year, but I don't know. I doubt it. There's no one really waiting for the Dodgers. The Dodgers don't have to worry about the Padres. They don't have to worry about anything. They just can't have injuries heading into the postseason. But, man, those Astros are damn good. So we're brought to you by Remy Martin. Last night, we had a Remy Martin meeting a dinner at Javier's at Aria. A couple of plugs. First off, Aria, you walk in, it smells beautiful. I don't know what they pump through that hotel. If anybody knows, please tell me. I'd like to pay for the small, tiny unit for my home. Whatever that is that they pump into the Aria, you walk in. A buddy of mine who I work with here, Andrew Paul, who works with me on the sales side, we took an Uber because we knew we were going to Javier's, maybe have a tequila or a margarita, or something with Cointreau in it. So we got an Uber, and we took an Uber. And there's a backstory to this Uber story. So we take an Uber down there. We get to Javier's. We see the team from Remy Martin, great friends of ours. We sit down. We have an incredible meal, a great Mexican meal, uh, guacamole, table side, fantastic. Have a couple of cocktails. The meal was fantastic. It came in waves. Javier's has got a great location in Newport Beach, Orange County, which they're famous for. And this one is really good. So we had an unbelievable meal. And at the end, we were all ordering an after-dinner drink. I forget what it is. My buddy Tori ordered me something elaborate, like a sidecar with 1738 in it. It tasted unbelievable in a martini glass. And I look at my buddy Andrew and I said, hey, man, we're going to get out of here. And I was this close to saying, man, I got a second wind in me, man. But it's during the week. It's a school night. I didn't have to do my Sirius XM show. So we call an Uber at Aria, and we come out of Aria, and we, I, they put us on the strip. And I'm trying to go up Flamingo to my house in Summerlin, but I guess the GPS told the guy to get us on the strip, and then we got on the 15 to catch the 215 West. And all of a sudden in front of us, these giant construction trucks with arrows pull in front of us about three or four cars in front of us and they come to a halt i'm like this is interesting what are they going to do set up some cones are they doing some construction it was only 9 30 at night we sat for 30 minutes there must have been two miles of cars behind us so then i started to figure out i go there must be an accident on the 215 west because they're not letting anybody get onto that ramp so i'm on my phone and my andrew's on his phone and we're looking for n dot and we're trying to find anything nothing so now it's getting to the point where we couldn't get off the road. We're going to go up to Blue Diamond. If, you, if you're in Vegas, you know what I'm talking about. And finally, these construction giant trucks start creeping ahead three miles an hour. Longer story short, it's 45 minutes. And we find out they are cleaning the highway. You know those street cleaners you see on your streets in your neighborhood? They had these industrial cleaners cleaning the off-ramp we sat for 45 minutes in front of the off-ramp until they finished cleaning it interesting story there i just wanted to throw that in so that's how my night wrapped up but a brilliant dinner and remy martin team up for excellence uh they're going to do some remotes with us some pool parties that got me going the palms pool party or uh we could do something over at uh, virgin hotels so that's really cool so we're excited remy martin team up for excellence and thanks for their team last night. So this morning, up early, humid. My wife took my son uh, back to Norman, Oklahoma to get ready for his senior year in college and got a workout in, driving around town, listening to Eddie and Vinny Bonsignor on our morning show. And they were having a great conversation about the players on the pup list, 
when they're coming off or when we think they would come off. But they got into the conversation about accountability. And when I was at practice yesterday, we were catching up to a lot of people and talking. So it wasn't like binoculars out, who's there, who's playing. There are people who do that. And we were talking to Dave Ziegler and talking to a couple of uh, people that I've known over the years with the Raiders. And all of a sudden, Derek Carr ran right by me with, I believe it was Dylan Parham when they were doing their jog because there was a fumbled snap. I didn't notice it. I didn't see the fumbled snap. But I noticed they were driving by us. And they were talking about accountability today with Josh McDaniels. Now, I don't know how it went in New England. I wasn't there at practice. Either were you if they made a mistake. I don't recall seeing Tom Brady in the public time during practice running laps if a rookie made a mistake. But that's what's happening here, and I love it. Some people say maybe it's too high school. It's this. Get over it. This is a brand-new coach having his first day at training camp. And if people are making mistakes, I don't care if you have to squat and do get on the ground and do push-ups or you got to run a lap in this heat in Henderson. You're going to do it. So everybody's on the same page. There's a lot of teaching going on. And then Eddie and Vinny got into the depth of the offensive line, and they made a really good point, a point that we're aware of, but they brought it home. They want all these offensive linemen to be able to play multiple positions. Because the last couple of years, and I felt for Tom Cable, the offensive line was just hurt. There was always a guy hurt. And then we had to deal with COVID. You remember the Tom Brady game, don't you, where he combined for five touchdowns? Tampa Bay came in with little Scotty Miller and beat the Raiders. Brady threw for four and ran for one on a quarterback sneak. And that was the week that the offensive line for the Raiders didn't practice. And they moved the game which you, the Raider fans, were really pissed off because we lost a primetime game and they moved it, and the Raiders came in with a lacking week of practice with the offensive line. Now, that was COVID. That was very dramatic. So this year, Colt Miller is set at left tackle. We would assume Andre James is set at center because Dylan Parham, he's not played in the NFL that position, and that position is insane, especially when you have Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, a 99 rating, coming over you. When we play the Rams and that goes down. So I'm good with Andre James there. And then when it comes to left tackle, right tackle, and right guard, we have an understanding of what the depth chart is, but they can mix and match that. So all the players there, you could tell, are learning how to play guard and maybe a swing tackle to help out in case of injury. I tell you, Colt Miller's got to be healthy, everybody. We know that. I mean, you, you can't sit here and predict injuries at the second day of training camp with the veterans, but... Colt Miller is one of the most valuable pieces on this team. He has got to remain healthy. They don't have a player that can play his position at his level. They have players that can play at Leatherwood's level, and hopefully Alex Leatherwood got a little bit better here in the offseason. Looking forward to seeing him. You know, I got Alex Leatherwood's back. I'm not sitting here saying he's going to be great, but he played a lot of football last year. He played a lot of games, a lot of snaps. Of course, he made mistakes. He played monstrous snaps at Alabama as the Outland Trophy winner, national champion, all those playoff games. I'm just hoping all of that experience, all of that experience comes, to, comes into play this year to the point where we're sitting here looking at the experience that Alex, Alex Leatherwood had in college, had in college, and that helps him along the way. If that's the case, and some of that experience with new coaches here and a new voice in his ear gets him to play better, we are all into that. Uh, also, last night, the Los Angeles Rams, their rings came out. Did you see their diamond-heavy Super Bowl rings? And I, I got a spin on this, which is anti-chargers, so please run with this. So the Rams got their Super Bowl ring. It was designed by L.A.-based jewelry house Jason of Beverly Hills. People now like these removable tops, like you can hide a piece of gum or candy in it or whatever. I don't get why anybody would want a ring that has a removable top. It just seems like problems are going to happen with that. But anyway, when you pop the top off of this ring, it has the field at SoFi Stadium in it, and it's all Rams. And of course it's Rams. There's going to be no Chargers. But this ring reminds me and should remind you that the Chargers are tenants to the Rams. Because it's gorgeous. The base of the ring inside, and you can find this anywhere on Twitter, it's a gorgeous ring. Stan Kroenke, I don't know how much he paid for these rings. They get bigger and bigger and bigger every year. Al Davis has had the greatest, most iconic rings in the history of football. But this one has the Rams field with the Rams logo, and it just makes me feel great. There's no chargers. Of course, there wouldn't be in the ring, but you understand that this is the Rams house. 
and that's why it's in the ring, and the Chargers are the tenant there. It is SoFi Stadium. The top of the ring, under the removable top of the ring, is a view of SoFi Stadium surrounded by a piece of the Super Bowl game ball. The field underneath the roof is made up of remnants of SoFi Stadium turf from the 2020 to 2021 season. Uh, The most carat weight in the history of a sports championship ring. It's incredible what they did with the palm trees encrusted with diamonds, the Super Bowl trophy, and the L.A. in blue. So they deserve it. And Stan Kroenke, what is he going to do for the Colorado Avalanche as the Colorado Avalanche just ended up winning a championship, and he owns that team too. So big story there. Yesterday the story was Kyler Murray, $230.5 million, $160 million of that guaranteed. So he's making per year as much, more than Patrick Mahomes, not as much as Aaron Rodgers. And I, I think he's probably going to redo that deal because from the 160 guaranteed to the 230 total overall gives them flexibility to have him kind of redo that deal, get, bring more money out in years to come. I think he deserves it. Again, I talk Oklahoma here because my sons win. Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray back-to-back at Oklahoma winning Heisman trophies. And now Kyler Murray making $230 million, $160 million guaranteed. But the big thing that I wanted to talk about, which was Raider-related today, is Bo Jackson. We found out that Bo Jackson helped pay for the funerals of the 19 children and two teachers killed in the school massacre at Uvalde, Texas. And this is an incredible story, and Bo Jackson was a Raider. He was a Kansas City Royal. He was an Auburn Tiger legend one of the greatest players of all time, but what he did was incredible. And he revealed himself as one of the previously anonymous donors, and it pretty much blew up the internet. So I saw Bo Jackson trending, and I said, oh my God, you never want to see anybody trending. It could be bad news. And then I opened it up, but it was everywhere. So the great Bo Jackson said, quote, I don't know if it's because I'm getting old, a father of three, a grandfather, as he nears 60, It's just not right for the parents to bury their kids. It's just not right. Quote, I know every family there probably works their butts off just to do what they can do. The last thing they need was to shell out thousands of dollars for something that never should have happened. And Bo said he felt personal connection with the city because he's driven through it many times. Uh, Uvalde has a regular stop for a bite to eat or groceries before a long drive farther west to visit one of his friends who has a ranch for hunting. And I knew that because my father-in-law is a big hunter. And when I look back on this, this is what happens in some of these towns that are close to a border where you can hunt and you can do some great hunting. There's a small town where you stop by, you get your groceries, you get your supplies, your hunting supplies, and then you go out on a trip. I had no idea that Bo Jackson did the same thing. So he felt very familiar with Evaldi's Main Street the town square, the people he met over the years that touched his heart when the news broke about the shooting on May 24th at Robb Elementary. Now, law enforcement's been heavily criticized, and they should be, for the decisions that they made or lack of decisions that they made, but that had nothing to do with Bo Jackson. He wanted to help the families out. Jackson and a close friend flew to Uvalde briefly met with the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, and presented a check for $170,000 with an offer to pay for all funeral expenses. Abbott announced it was anonymous uh, during a May 27th news conference, and it turned out it was Bo. We didn't want media, Bo said. No one knew we were there. And he suggested that he kept it a secret. He hadn't spoken publicly about it. What moved him to make the trip and the donation until this week? One more quote. Uvalde is a town that sticks in your mind. Just the name, Jackson said. I don't know a soul there. It just touched me. You better believe I'm tying this story into Raider Nation Radio today. You better believe that that's the way I wanted to wrap up this hour and talk about something positive today. We could talk about a position battle and all that. We got plenty of time to do that. It's been the summer of Cliff Branch. I know what Bo thinks of Cliff because we did a big interview with Bo when he did an event privately for season ticket holders and Cliff's name came up. I've had the honor of interviewing Bo Jackson on the sideline of a Raider game in Chicago, which was a great honor, and then do a private event for him for the Raiders. 
He doesn't come around a lot. I don't know when we see it. He's not a guy. He's not a Hall of Famer, so he doesn't go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But he comes out here, and he's got business at Allegiant Stadium with his meat company. He's got a huge meat company, meat packing, exactly what he does. You can Google it and find out what Bo Jackson does in his life as a multimillionaire business owner. But what a Raider story. Bo Jackson helping pay for funerals of all those children and the two teachers who were killed in that school massacre. Bo Jackson, you're a great legendary Raider, a great athlete, one of the greatest college players of all time. And that's the way I wanted to kind of talk about this and wrap up this hour here. Q's going to jump in for me. Uh, Next week, we have the Summer of Cliff where we go really heavy. All the guests have been great. But next week, we have Fred Bolitnikoff on Monday. We have the great Jim Plunkett on Tuesday. And then we're working to confirm a couple of more. And then the following week, we're off to Canton, Ohio, for the induction of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Mark Davis will enshrine Cliff Branch. There'll be a great turnout of alumni. There's going to be a big party. And that's supposed to be a sea of silver and black. A sea of silver and black. There's a lot of cool things are happening, and I can't talk about it until it happens. So hopefully you're out there and you can see what Mark Davis is doing because it's really special. Bo Jackson, that's a positive Raiders story. So that's it, everybody. Have a great weekend. Thanks to Q for stepping in here. Great job by everybody this week. Bobby, appreciate you. All of our proud partners, as we mention more and more. And quick reminder, a week from today, next Friday, I'll be live from 4 to 6 p.m. in the lobby of Virgin Hotels Las Vegas. We're going to be doing a two-hour podcast now that I'm going to be doing for the hotel and the station every month, once a month. It kicks off this upcoming Friday, and we're going to have a couple of local legends on. Maybe a Raider Insider. We're putting that final piece together. And I hope we can have a cerveza, have a Modelo, as people stop me and toast a Modelo with me, and have a good time. Have a great weekend, everybody. If you miss any portion of the show, go to lvsportsnetwork.com. A lot of our interviews about Cliff are on the homepage at Raiders.com. And thanks a lot for listening. I really appreciate it. Raider camp underway. We'll be at practice next week. We'll be in the building. And we'll have some great countdown to Cliff content for you on the flagship of the Silver and Black.